Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Control of Interest Gamecast, episode 115, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. As always, I'm joined by Dom. Hello, Jared. Hello, uh, and Jordan. These fucking wannabe Brits. But hey, Jared, it's great to have you on the show. I'm glad to see you back here on the Gamecast, so thanks. <laughs> Good to see you too. Uh, I actually had a pretty busy week in terms of what I've been playing um, so I started Assassin's Creed Odyssey. That came out last Friday. Um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey! I'm, <laughs> I'm about 15 hours in. Uh, so the I'm, tutorial's done? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the whole thing's really funny. It's, it's probably about three hours in until you see the title credits, but it doesn't mean like that three hours is wasted. Um, That's fucking I actually like the Assassin's way this Creed game starts. Game, yeah, you start in a small island, and then you kind of sail to the bigger parts <clears throat> of Greece, uh, which is really cool. Um, they love doing that shit where it's like, get you into the game, and you're like, yeah, I'm playing Assassin's Creed, this is a fun game. And then it's like, oh, I forgot they hadn't done a title screen yet. And they're like, yeah, remember how this looks? <laughs> gotcha. With a subtitle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they love, and they like pan over the sky. Like I remember Assassin's Creed 3 where you play as uh, Haytham Kinway for like two or three hours, and then it's like Ooh, Assassin's Creed that. 3. That was a tutorial, man. I didn't even fit. I finished that tutorial, and then I was just like, "Oh man, I just can't." People like say that. that's the best part of the game. People say like that's their, a lot of people say that's their favorite part of the game. Um. Anyways, at with, least as far as like, if you're gonna make me do a two-hour two long tutorial, so we're spending so long on this, uh, the story of those two hours was interesting enough to pull me through because I thought Hatham was an interesting character and the way he's like a Templar, you know, and you're used to dealing with assassins at that point in the series. So, uh, so Odyssey actually start the beginning of the game. You're thrust into like the world of 300. Um, so you obviously nice. control Spartans and stuff. I don't want to get too spoilery in case you guys are planning on playing it eventually uh, with that. Um, but yeah, the game's great. Cassandra is probably only 15 hours in. She's probably one of if not my favorite female protagonist in a game ever she's awesome nice. um well all the jokes about wonder woman are super syndicate? fitting oh uh, no i didn't play syndicate uh syndicate and unity are the only two assassin's creed games in the whole series i haven't played jordan got a point Evie. what was my point the i can't remember her name but the girl you play at least for yeah half Evie. i think i was trying to remember her name i think it's yeah. Evie. yeah she's fantastic and, uh, she's yeah she's great and uh the chick in, um, I'm just talking about female protagonists in the series. The chick from uh, Liberation, the Vita game, is pretty cool too. Yeah, well, I guess I didn't play that one either because I, I never owned a Vita. Um, oh, I wouldn't expect to. <laughs> they they've remastered it for PS3 and PS4, though I think. Okay. Um, just yeah, FYI. Yeah. So Cassandra, all the jokes about like Wonder Woman and stuff is spot on. Obviously, the apparel kind of m- matches it, but she's a very strong character. Um, the romance options are, are inter- an interesting addition to Assassin's Creed. I'm very conflicted on this game because, first and foremost, I, I'm loving this game. It's it's probably, when I'm all said in, it's probably going to be a contender for me for my personal game of the year. Um, mm. Obviously, I haven't played God of War yet, so it's still up there, and then Spider-Man and Celeste so, and all those other games. But Yeah, this is this is up there with Spider-Man then, huh? Contending yeah, with Spidey? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's past it yet, but it's like it's there, right? But it's it's in the ring, bro. It's got its <laughs> it's got its fisticuffs going. Yeah, but speaking of conflicted, so like as a game, it's great. All of the mechanics, the systems, they refined a lot of the stuff from Origins. The combat feels a lot better. Um, a lot of it is really great. My problem and the reason I'm conflicted is because I'm playing through this game, and it it's as great as it is. It's not an Assassin's Creed game to me. 
Like, it's just a very, very, very good and well-polished RPG um, that just happens to carry the name of Assassin's Creed. So it's weird to me, right? Because there's, like, a disconnect. Um, because I'm so loving this game, and it's so good. Sorry, I was just going to be branching right off of what you just said. The One of my things that I really didn't like about Origins that, to me, took away, like, why is this an Assassin's Creed game? When you're dropping down on people to do your hidden blade move, and it doesn't fucking kill them. Like, a hidden, like, you have to upgrade your hidden blade, I think, four or five times in Origins before it will kill somebody by stabbing them in the throat. Like, what in the fuck kind of game, Assassin's Creed game is it, where I can't do a drop-down assassination on somebody with my hidden blade. So is yeah, that... It's consistent with Egyptian lore, man. Those folks well, had uh, metal throats, right? That's not... That's yeah, not I was gonna on... say, like, what Egyptian lore where they get indestructible throats? Like... Uh, Sorry, that, Yeah, the problem there is based because they've added so many RPG systems into it. It's that you can't... Yeah. You can't one-shot assassinate people who are, like, X amount of levels above you, um, but you can mm-hmm. one-shot assassinate anybody who's your level or below. Um, yeah, and you couldn't even do that in Origins, if I'm no, you you could. That's what I'm saying. That's the system is that you in in order to assassinate somebody and kill them, they had to be your level or lower. But if you're a level twelve and there was a level thirteen enemy, you would assassinate them, and like you said, you wouldn't kill them. Uh, you would only injure them, and then you'd have to fight them or whatever. Um, what the uh, upgrades did for the hidden blade, it was percentage based, so it was like 20, 40, 60 percentage of your weapon damage. So basically, if you were level 12 and you had one upgrade, you could kill level 14 people. If you had two upgrades and you were level 12, yeah. and there was, yeah. you can kill level 16s. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that is not as big of an issue when you're at level 12, level 14, but when you're starting the game off and you're just a couple levels in, that's really annoying. And also, I just think that that's fucking ridiculous as a mechanic. Like, So if I went up to a dude who's like, way fucking stronger than me and like way beefier and bigger even though i'm already a big dude like if i stabbed him in the fucking throat he's not gonna be like well your level's not high enough i'm still alive like that's so fucking dumb as a concept in a game that is based in relative realism and is about fucking assassinating people it just doesn't make any <laughs> sounds sense. it sounds like you're kind of reflecting what jared's saying like that's that's an RPG now, right? That's that's pretty typical for RPGs, right? Like, no, because what what other RPG are you using lethal weapons and stabbing people in the throat and not killing them? I don't think that's the RPGification of it. Uh, but I will say that, um, and I've mentioned this over the years on the show about Assassin's Creed in particular, but I just wish the RPGification of it is something I've been wanting more of for years. But I think they either need to fucking make an RPG or make an Assassin's Creed game that isn't doesn't have RPG elements. You know, this they've like I mean, especially this gen, you know, Unity started this gen, it's like uh inching closer and closer with every iteration, but they're still like they just won't it's like that fucking game at the uh at Chuck E. Cheese or a fucking uh, casino where it's like the coins are barely pushing each other. You drop a coin in and try to like push the pile uh, off yeah. of the ledge. Yeah, it's like they keep dropping coins in. They're just not going to go off that fucking ledge over into well, RPGs. So this is a Bethesda sorry. I'm game. hijacking this, Jared. I apologize. This is your playtime, but yeah, I mean, you mentioned Assassin's Creed. Uh, yeah, I'm well, obviously passionate about the series. Yeah, so. I mean, with this, I think this is a fully fledged uh, Odyssey is a fully fledged RPG. It's a Bethesda game, like it's in every way, really? form, like it's it's so much an RPG. And the thing is, is like I said, I'm conflicted because. 
a lot of the things, a lot of the reasons I love the Assassin's Creed franchise aren't in this game. It doesn't feel like an, an old school, you know, Ezio trilogy Assassin's Creed game. And honestly, I think that this is kind of intentional. And on the plus slash negative side, this does open a door for Prince of Persia. Because we always talked about how, how are they going to release Prince of Persia at the same time they released Assassin's Creed? They're very similar in a lot of ways. But because Assassin's Creed is getting pulled so much in this RPG direction where it doesn't even feel like the Assassin's Creed games we remember, I really think that this does open up a window for Prince of Persia to come back and maybe dive into the actual stealth parts of it. Um, the one thing I will say is the upgrade system is interesting because there's three, it's a little bit different than Origins, so there's three, there's Hunter, Warrior, and Assassin, and they're different tree branches for those specific things, and, um, you have the abilities that you equip, and you can only equip four, uh, four hunting ones, so bow-based ones, and four, like, just combat-based ones, so it actually tells you that throughout the game you can go back and reset your skills and add different skills to the thing and kind of mess around and see what abilities you find um, you like most when you're playing the game. So there's like the Spartan mm. Kick, there's the Shield Rip. Um, one of my favorites... The Spartan Kick, that's great. Yeah, the Chest Kick, oh, it's so good. Um, one of my favorite abilities in the game is, I think it's called like Shadow Assassination or like Port Assassin... It's not called Port Assassination... I'm just making that because it's like teleporting. But essentially what it yeah. is is like if you're a certain distance away, you use the ability and you, you warp to that person through an animation, right? It obviously like cuts and it shows you coming in from out of screen. You assassinate that person and the more times you upgrade it, the more you can chain off of it. So like you do the animation, you do the ability, assassinate one guy, and then depending on how much it's upgraded, you can chain to this guy or this guy or this guy. Um, so just so I'm clear on the lore here, you're not actually teleporting. It's just no, 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 like no, no. fading to black it's, and then shows you once she's gotten to the guy physically. It's like, I think the ability is called like rapid assassination or it's something like that. And basically it's like, yeah. if there's too much like in the way of you getting from this person from this point to that person, you can use this ability to kind of traverse that uh, long like area. You don't like want to have to kill the eight guys in between you and him, so this will just get you to that guy. Yeah, or if there's like a weird like area where you can't really scale it or come down to him in an effective way to assassinate him, it's kind of yeah, like, yeah, well, yeah. I'm in a distance where I can reasonably just like sneak up to him and assassinate him, but the way the game is designed, like the world and the buildings doesn't help that out you know what i mean it's very helpful and uh yeah, there's situations you know you might not want everybody to see you or something like that. exactly that and it, it, these abilities can't be spammed like there's cooldowns on all of the abilities which i appreciate because right. i was like thinking, uh, right. when i first uh, uh, you know looked at the abilities i'm like this is kind of going to take away from the combat and stuff i could just spam this stuff but there's good cooldown and one thing i haven't figured out is i don't know if it's uh, item based so like you know when you go up to like the the arrow stations and stuff in the Assassin's Creed games and you, um, like, get all the equipment, like, you reload, like, your arrows and stuff like that. I don't know oh, if it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's attached to that or if it's attached to you killing people, but in combat, there will come a point where you can't do your abilities anymore until you... Um, and I haven't really paid attention to it, so I don't know the exact answer, but it's either like you... even after their regular cooldown time, you still can't use them? Uh, there will come a point in a battle where you can't... Like, you've used all of the... All of the energy all for of your ammo. Exactly. So I don't know how you refill yeah. that is what I'm saying. I haven't like paid attention to it too much. I don't know if it's based on you mm. attacking people or if it's based on you um, uh, re-equipping items. You know what I mean? Like getting more yeah. arrows or stuff yeah. like that. I haven't really paid attention to that. Um, some people are talking about the macrotransactions and stuff, uh, how those are an issue. 
Has it come up once? I didn't have that issue in Origins either, and people complained about it. Like, it's you have to dig to get to the microtransactions. I never once felt like they were, like, in my face uh, at all. Yeah, I think Assassin's Creed microtransactions have been there for fucking ever. Uh, when people get uh, surprised by them, I'm like, this is the farthest series from me being surprised about microtransactions. Uh, and they're just, like, uh, the time saver types. You know, they're, like... Yeah. And obviously, you're not even like going online and, and face off against people, but it's just time savers for upgrades or whatever. Yeah, uh, I don't want to go too much longer in Assassin's Creed Odyssey because I'm going to be playing it a lot more. Like I said, I'm only 12 to 15 hours in. It's a pretty long game. I just want to play it as much as I can before Red Dead comes out. Um, but I am liking it. So, real quick, I just wanted to ask you liked, not loved Origins, correct? Liked a lot? Uh, if I was rating it on 10 of my personal enjoyment of it, I would say it was a solid eight. I would say this is Whereas like Spider-Man PS4 is uh nine five. Nine five versus eight, and you would say this is probably what like a nine or so. It's currently like at a nine nine one somewhere in there. So for you, the changes are incremental. Yeah, I mean the thing is the Positive combat feels so much better. Changes. Yeah, especially yeah. for like. You know, all of us enjoy the Souls games. We bring them up all the damn time. And that was one of the things with Origins is they introduced some of those combat things, but they were very loosely... They weren't very good. Like, they were okay, right? They were passable. Well, I think with Syndicate, it was way too fucking easy because it was like... Assassin's Creed was already a pretty easy combat system, and then they almost made it into a joke. And so I think they were trying to make it more Soulsy, which I appreciate you saying that we all love Souls games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know I've left you out. It's an outside like, joke there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Bloodborne is a Souls game, uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, I think that uh, it seems like they're trying. Uh, you know, at least they're trying different stuff. I hate the fact that you can't fucking assassinate somebody in one shot, no matter whatever level they are. Um, but. At least they are trying new stuff and, like, you know, rejiggering the combat to try to make it work better. And it sounds like you think it's vastly improved, which it, it did need to be. It was, like, it's another one of those game examples of, like, people trying to do from software combat that have no business fucking around with that type of combat. And that type of, like, you have to be very skilled developers to handle that type of combat in your game. And there's a lot of developers trying to emulate it that are just not anywhere close. And I think that's origins was an example of that so hopefully they got away from that and the thing they nailed in this game too is that one of my favorite things of the souls games is when you use a different weapon depending on like its length uh and if it's a range weapon or not you feel that in the combat and i think that's something they nailed uh in odyssey is you know there's enemies i'll face with short swords and i'm just like i just can't win this fight with short swords like i'm gonna die so i scrolled yeah. through and i'm like okay i have a long spear and I just had to play the, the the poking game, the prodding game, you know. Um, so even if you like uh, dodge roll around them to the back of them and stab, you can. But I, for me, it's just gonna be like tedious and annoying. Yeah, because so there's a whole bounty system in this game where, uh, you know, you can get you build up a bounty bar. Uh, has nothing to do with the toilet paper or paper towels. Uh, you build up Jesus a bounty Christ. bar, and there's helmets, and it's kind of like. It's kind of like the GTA star system, but different. You know what I mean? It's kind of the same oh, concept. Oh, because I was thinking it sounded almost like Bloodborne's, what is it, reclaim system or whatever. Like if you get hit and then you jump back in and hit them within no, no, a certain no. amount of time, you get uh, stamina. This is based on like the world, not necessarily combat specifically. I should have 
okay. preface that. Um, so yeah, the more crimes, the more people you kill, you build up the bar, and the higher the bar fills up, the tougher the bounty hunters are that come after you, the higher level they are. Uh, kind of like Red Dead. Yeah. Uh, um, kind of like Dark Souls. Exactly, yeah. So uh, the Except last thing I want to touch on... The last thing I want to touch on, because I've been going on for a while, and I have a couple of things I want to talk about, um, is that in this game, I assumed, because it's all you know Greece and there's a lot of Sparta imagery and the marketing and stuff like that, that, oh, yeah, you're going to be on the side Greece of the Spartans. Lightning. Go, Greece, lightning. In this game, it's kind of like... I'm sorry, we need, to have, we need to have a fucking rockabilly Assassin's Creed where they're fucking slicking their hair back into ducktails and they got their fucking jackets on they got their fucking God. cigarettes rolled up in their sleeves they're like hey jack what are we doing today who are we assassinating today you know what i'm saying john travolta is leonidas <laughs> um <laughs> so god i lost my train of thought oh so yeah in, Sorry, these, in, in the open world map there's uh athenian outposts and soldiers and stuff and there's also spartan soldiers and outposts and you can mm. attack either of them and throughout the game, like, you can choose what side you're on during, like, major battles and stuff. And you don't have to so, necessarily stick to a side because you're, like, a just a mercenary. So you yeah. can, like, oh, I'll hop out the Spartans this time. But then later on, it's like, oh, man. Hello? Oh, man. <laughs> Things could happen, and you might be facing off against the Spartans next uh, time. So where are you from originally, your character? Dom, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, is Jordan frozen on your screen too? Yeah. Okay. That's we'll wait for him to Can get back. Let me make a note. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> you just went. You oh, fast forwarded like crazy. We just heard you at lightning speed. Uh, just, we didn't yeah, hear any of that, Jordan. Up. So just, where whatever I said, the last thing, when, when you started to reply to me, just go through that again. Yeah, I was trying to like make this a smooth fucking transition. I was trying to like pick up your slack or whatever. No. Not that you fucked up, but uh, I was saying, so maybe you might be against Athens, maybe you might be against Sparta when you're facing off in these battles. Does it tell you, like, where you're from, the characters, where they grew up, or, like, where their yes. loyalty was originally? I don't want to spoil any of that. That's why I kind of stayed away from that. Cool. But, yeah, you learn all of that. Cool. Um, there's there's a reason why you would want to choose one side over the other, but there's also a reason why you would choose the other side over that side. Um, but it's not like you're Bayek's sister from Egypt and you came up to fuck up Spartans and Athenians. No, 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 no. Yeah, um, you have a personal tie. The story is actually really interesting. Um, I, cool. I'm, yeah, I've yeah. heard good things. And if you buy it, I so Cassandra is the is the uh, the um, female uh, protagonist. The, the the canon character too. So just keep that in mind as well. What? Yeah, Alexios isn't like... the canon character. They made that a thing? They, like, came out and said that? That's weird. Yeah. Alexios is on a lot of the marketing because, like, obviously dude bro stuff. Um, there are There is advertising with Cassandra. I don't want to say, like, it's all... They just I haven't all seen Alexis. the cover of this game. I need to see um, But, yeah, it's uh, she's the Ken character, and she's awesome. Anyways, I've been going for a long time, and I want you guys to be able to talk to you about what you've been playing. So, real quick... Well, that's partially my fault. I was stopping you every two seconds. Uh, I also got into the Google uh, Project xCloud beta to stream games through oh, Google Chrome. Dog. Uh, it was nice. Assassin's Project Stream. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. Project X Cloud is the Microsoft one. Uh, yeah, Project Stream. I got into that. I played around with it for like a half an hour to an hour. Um, I have decent. I have pretty good internet. I shouldn't say decent. I have 180 download, 10 upload. So it's actually pretty good. Um, it is good. Yeah. yeah, the, upl the upload is always great. the hardest thing. 
ran great for me. I uh, didn't notice any latency. Um, it played very well. Um, there was very little texture. Yeah, I would say you have great in, internet. So dude, that was good. Have, like, I was actually expecting a lot more than what there was. Um, <laughs> the only thing I can't give you a good review on is screen tearing because I obviously I know what screen tearing is. I'm just not very good at picking that up personally. Yeah. You know? So. Um, Do you know what it is that you're looking for? Yeah, it's like when uh, like the the pixels necessarily don't match up. On, it's like a it's a tear in the in the like the graphics that are being projected. Yeah, it basically so they, they it, it basically looks like an invisible, like if there was an invisible line across your screen. Does that make any sense? Yeah. And it's shifted. Yeah, it's like there's. Yeah, it's like there's uh, almost a tiny little uh, section of the screen being like pulled out. I don't know. It's, it yeah. is hard to describe. Yeah, I, I know what it is. I'm just not very good at spotting it, so I don't want to sit here and say, oh, there's absolutely no screen tearing because I honestly am just not good at spotting that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But overall, the game ran well. My one gripe with it, and obviously it's a beta, so whatever, and it's a very weird gripe, but you can't... So it's played in the browser. You can't exit the game, do something else on your browser, and then go back into the game. The moment you exit out of the game, you have to exit the game, if that makes sense. So it's not treated as like a separate like tab in the browser. Pause it. You can't pause it and go check your email is what you're saying. Yeah, because it'll ask you return to game or exit game. When you exit game, it closes down the game. So it's not treated as another tab in Chrome. It's treated as its own windowed thing. You know what I mean? So Yeah. It's basically yeah. like running your own, its own EXE program almost. Like you would have to... Well, I guess, no, because you could even... Like if you have a game that isn't on Steam or something, you could... Uh, tab out of that easily and it would put you right back where you were so anyways uh the other things i played forza horizon 4 not much to say there uh, enjoying it still uh playing it here and there um yeah not much else to report on it is what it is uh, and the other thing i've been playing a lot is mtg arena which is magic the gathering their hearthstone kind of thing uh, i was in the alpha a while back i don't know if I, you remember me talking about that dom uh when they originally had like the closed alpha it's an open beta now so everyone's able to play it uh, it's kind of a bummer that there's no, like, invite friend feature. So, like, my friends who have Magic the Gathering Online or Arena, we can't play against each other or make decks or whatever, which is weird for an open beta. You'd assume by the open beta they'd have that feature, right? I don't know. Is that asking too much, Dom? Like, if you're if you were playing a game and it was an open beta and it was a multiplayer-based game, wouldn't you assume that you could, like, privately challenge your friend? Yeah, by beta, I would think. I mean, is that, like... Is that, is that part of is that supposed to be there i mean are they, yeah i mean it's just a... so before mtg arena the hearthstone like game they always had a yearly release that was just a standalone game and that was obviously a feature because like magic the gathering play with friends right it just they've said it's going to be a feature in the game at launch it's just weird to okay. me that it isn't in the open beta it's kind of a gripe okay. thing you know what i mean it's like a, well, that's weird um wow. i see what you're saying though if they said like that's part of the game <laughs> by beta i would hope that they're at least testing it but yeah. Uh, it's Magic the Gathering, so there's not much else to say. If you know Magic, you know Magic. The things I'll say about the beta specifically, though, is uh, there isn't... So, there's Magic cards. The thing is, there's not enough variety in terms of, like, uh, holographic, like, special holographic cards or, like, cards that have, like, really cool animations. Like, some of the cards have animations, like Hearthstone does, but very, very few. And I'm assuming maybe they're just working on more of those, obviously, in the back end. It's just, it's like, 
80% to what I want it to be. Like, there isn't, like, all of the bells and whistles yet. It's just standard. If you were going to play Magic the Gathering in an online format, this is what you'd expect. But there's not all of the bells and whistles that turn a basic card game into what Hearthstone is with all of the flashy animations and bells and whistles and stuff. So... They're like 80% there, and I just want that other 20% because I'm really enjoying what's there so far. I just hope that they get to that 100%, you know what I mean? And they don't kind of like half-ass it. So, um, the deck building is cool too. For somebody like me who's experienced with Magic, it's not an issue. But I have heard a big problem with people trying the open beta is that it's a little obtuse for new people in terms of deck building. They give you pre-made decks, but obviously those are only so good, you know what I mean? Um... And when you want to create your own deck, there isn't a whole lot of tools there for newer players to feel comfortable doing that. Um, and like I said, from my perspective, I don't really experience that because I'm really you know, familiar with Magic. But I wanted to read about that and see how newer players were feeling about it. And I guess, yeah, the tools aren't there to feel comfortable making your own deck. So they kind of are just stuck to either using the pre-made decks or you know, just rumbling through it and trying to figure out how to make their own deck and make it work. Because it's one thing you can put 60 cards in a deck, but to make it good, right, or competitive, that's a whole other thing. So, that's pretty much it for me. Um, what about you, Dom? I don't think I've played any games since we last talked. Nothing. And <clears throat> Yeah, not a single game, because uh, yeah, I had already finished up Spider-Man. Actually, oh, good lord, what am I talking about? Never mind. Mario Party. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, yeah. you said you were like, Mario Party's coming out tomorrow, I can't wait, me and Emily are going to play the hell out of it, and you're like, yeah, I didn't yeah. play anything. <laughs> oh man, I forgot, because it's like in a different category for me yeah. almost, like, because yeah. we did that almost like, you know, 99% of the time I'm playing games, it's just single player or by myself, uh, you know, so like, when I'm playing Mario Party with with with, uh, with Emily, it's like a totally different thing, but yeah, we played a couple rounds of that, and it's fantastic, it's, this is... Um, it's very akin to like the Mario parties I remember from from N sixty four, right? The first like three games I think, yeah. Um, played do- like dozens and dozens and dozens. I'd even say hundreds of hours of those games when I was a kid. So this is like it's straight out of that uh, straight out of that playbook, I guess. So um, so far that for the main mode, there's only three maps, and I suppose you unlock one more that we haven't seen yet. But kind of wish there was more more maps, more boards, I guess. Um, but I guess instead of that, they supplemented it with like a lot of other game modes entirely. There's this like boating mode, um, and I think two others, but I've not tried either of those yet. So we've just been doing the regular mode, the regular standard, you know, Mario Party mode, and that's been fun. The uh, the boards themselves so far kind of not as uh, complex as as I remember in the uh, N64 games. There's not as much going on. Um, as far as like special events and like shortcuts and different things they're kind of simpler which is a bit of a bummer but it's still they're still good still good enough i'd say um but the mini games so far have been all really good especially with the joy cons they do some different things uh, some of the different games use the joy cons in different ways so one of the comp- i guess i don't know if it was a complaint but it was an observation for this game is you can't play it you know in handheld mode or with a pro controller you have to have like single joy cons to be able to play it yeah. What? Uh, yeah, which sounds limiting, but when you play the game, it makes sense because a lot of the mini, the a lot of the mini games are built around Motion single control. Joy-Con functionality, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're so, a person who's been having a lot of issues with uh, the Switch's wireless syncing issues, and um, you 
you're about to pull your fucking massive amount of hair on your head out over that, um, it would make you want Mario Party less. Yeah, so far, because I used to have, we used to have that problem bad with Mario Kart every so often. Like, someone would just, like, veer off the track because the analog stick would yeah. apparently yeah, it's really frustrating. come unsynced. Um, we didn't have that any at all with Mario Party, so I don't know if that's just better luck or... I don't know, but uh, that could potentially be potentially be an issue. But yeah, if that if we didn't yeah. have the sync issues, then it's like okay, get over it. Just use the controller. They're asking you; it's the default controller for the system. But the fact that it's just been so fucking shoddy, and I know I'm jaded. I'm sorry. I'm fucking yeah. projecting well, here, but still, it is it is an issue, and it is weird that they're um, like forcing you to use their clearly weakest uh, signaled controller when you're obviously going to be doing it around a bunch of people, but. Yeah, and that might be. Um, I mean, if that's, I don't know if that's still a problem or if they fix that because, like, I saw like the launch Joy Cons, so I don't know if they since. No, like, it is much, very much a problem still. Okay, so even you if mean you like in Joy-Cons new Joy Cons being manufactured today? Okay, okay. Well, yeah, I don't think it's a, it's about? an issue. I don't think they can fix through like a, a a hardware update, Dom. It's just like an interference problem, I think, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Well. Even even with that though, once you start playing a bunch of the mini games, I don't, want, I don't know why I keep trying to say like video games. Um, <laughs> once <laughs> you start to play a bunch of the mini games, it makes perfect sense why they. I mean, the whole game is designed around you know a single Joy-Con being used. So and you know the HD rumble and using it in different ways. So it would have been it would have been extremely more complicated for the developers to have to develop this game for several different types of input you know for different types of controllers it would have fundamentally changed the game where like some mini games wouldn't be playable it just it's the single joy con use is like it's fundamental and integral to like how this game is designed so it, once you start playing it, it makes sense like okay i see why this is how it had to be so and out of the box they want to make sure that two people can play right so like they don't want to make sure you have to buy another controller so right. if it's two joy cons then two people can play out of the box so yeah, but right. even if they weren't and forcing everyone to use who Joy has Cons, a Switch you could still has at least two Joy Cons because it came with them. You know what I mean? Whereas not everyone has a Pro Controller necessary. So necessarily, um, yeah, and not everyone has two working Joy Cons. <laughs> wow, well, yeah, true. Good point. Um, and the, you can't. I don't even think it would let you play in handheld mode because it just wouldn't. It just wouldn't work. So I assume See, that it would. Just but to me, off, I gotta but... say, like, that feels like bad game design to me. If you're like. I mean, first of all, I just feel like we are we're still dealing with this whole Nintendo thing of like which controller are you going to use? And of course, it's a whole thing with Smash, but like the fact that like Joy Cons aren't bad, but they're you know they're like a downgrade from the fucking Pro controller. And I just wish that it, there wasn't this whole like toss up thing. Like, oh, are you using the Wii U Pro controller? Or are you using the tablet? Or are you using the fucking Wii? throwback gamepad that's supposed to look like a SNES control like there's just I don't like that Nintendo does this you know I don't like that yeah. like can you imagine other than a VR game Sony would never you know design a game where it's like well it's not a move game per se but you have to use a move controller it's, I, I'm not so that's different though right it would be I that you don't... can for Sony it would be you can only use a DualShock because a DualShock is what comes with the PlayStation the Joy-Cons are what come with the Nintendo Switch not the Pro Controller yeah and th- that's kind yeah, of I'm, I made a bad example there I'm just saying I don't appreciate the way that they design the game in that fashion and it may not even be necessarily detrimental or bad I just uh, personally that's 
uh, not how I would have preferred it if I was in the fucking boardroom and they were asking me, which they weren't. So yeah, the the flip is you instead get you now get mini games that are built around like the unique functionality of Joy Cons, right? And the HD Rumble and being able to tilt it and different things like that. Like the mini games are designed around those features. Uh, um, pro controllers have HD Rumble. Just so you know, FYI. It's hard to explain. You got to just play the video the mini games. Um, I said it again. <laughs> the video <mini> games. <laughs> Yeah, the like it, they games. they just fundamentally wouldn't work with any other controller. It's hard to explain, and there's so many mini games. I, there's like eighty, so it's hard to remember off the top. Of the my head, games but. that they've designed would not work with a controller. I'm saying you shouldn't have designed your damn games that way. Well, that's that's what you get though. So like by not by designing them around the Joy Cons, you're able to get different types of games that wouldn't exist otherwise, right? Absolutely, um, I can appreciate that. Yeah. So it's you, you kind of got to go either way. You got to. I'm glad they at least picked one route and stuck with it. Where instead of trying to make it work now, with all controllers and like make sacrifices in the game design, they just said, "Oh, we're doing Joy Cons, single Joy Cons, and that's it." And that way they can focus, you know, all their innovate creative strategy around that instead of trying so to make it a fit perfect, in a bunch of places. Perfect counter example of that is actually Mario Tennis because Mario Tennis has a swing mode. Where you use the Joy-Cons like you did on Wii Tennis with the gyro, like an actual tennis racket you're swinging. Right. But they're not saying, when you play Mario Tennis, you have to use gyro Joy-Cons. Like, no, you can use any one you want, but if we're going to do something cool and unique with the Joy-Cons, we'll make that a separate mode so that you're not, like, anchored to the Joy-Cons all the time. Just as a counterexample, I think that's an interesting way to do it. Like, if you, it's cool that they have unique Joy-Con games, but it would have been interesting if that was a mode separate mode yeah because basically what it is now think about this if i'm trying to have a multiplayer super mario party game i have to buy i have to have enough joy cons and i know that they split obviously because there's two in a set but i have to have enough joy cons to cover everybody whereas before i was just having enough nintendo switch controllers to cover everybody mixing between joy con and pro which by the way i don't know if you guys noticed or not sorry i'm not trying to be like uh um jokey towards you but like by the way, these ex- these accessories are expensive as all fuck. So yeah, you telling me much. like, no, the two eighty dollar pro controllers that you spent one hundred and sixty dollars on before tax, yeah, they don't work for this game. Sorry about that. We designed it otherwise. You know, I'm like, man, shove it, bro, shove. Yeah, it. but you get you also get two Joy Cons for the price of one pro controller. So I, I understand from your perspective. Obviously, you have a very personal perspective of like, I already bought all these pro controllers, so it kind of screws me. But for somebody who's yeah. buying buying it that you know doesn't have that issue, it's like, well, to get two other people to be able to play, I only have to spend seventy bucks for two other Joy Cons. You know what I mean? So you have four players, right? But you could price. do that even if they weren't even if they weren't forcing you. Even if Pro Controllers were an option, you could still use that like cheaper Joy Con option. Yeah, yeah. So it's all it comes down to, I think, is like limiting the controller use the game allows them to develop better mini games you know yeah basically is what i'm saying yeah at the cost of like can't use as many different controllers but when you are just using the one controller it's it's just a better experience you know so you know limiting, i wouldn't have had an issue you know, if this game was called super mario uh joy con party i think that would be fine that's fair i guess <laughs> i guess yeah. if you think of like or um, like all the you could make it like joy con like comic con and they're like the Mario Party that they're going to is a joy like a Nintendo convention that's called the Joy Con. Sorry, I'm I'm going like fucking fanfic here. Sorry. No, I mean you do have a point. So if you think like 
because what I was gonna say earlier to to uh, to combat some of that is like, you know, PSVR games only work with the PSVR headset and move controllers a lot of the time, right? But pretty much every VR game has VR in the title, right? Like Skyrim VR. Yeah, that is, is a known separate so. entity. Right. So I get I get your point. Yeah, it could, it could have been. It, it definitely it's the same helps way I don't if you appre- knew going into it. I don't appreciate the fact that you couldn't figure out a solution for Severed to where I can only play that on handheld mode. I don't appreciate the fact mm. that a lot of games are handheld yeah. only or not, you know, no handheld at all like this one is. It's yeah. like, if you're going to have a fucking hybrid console, you need to figure it out, man. You need to make a solution, even if it's not the best. And you could even warn people, like, we recommend you play this handheld because it's severed and it's a touch game. But there is this other option with the Pro Controller. I, this goes back to the conversation. I'm sorry I'm, I'm going way too far on this, but I'll just say, give players more options stop taking them away and i understand that this is a more complicated situation they would have to uh develop it entirely different but like stop fucking square enix please stop forcing me to watch subtitles you know like stop forcing me to play in this fucking way that's totally arbitrary and has nothing to do with the actual game experience like creator's content like give players more options not less is my philosophy yeah well, uh, overall, the game is it's super fun, man. Like it's really yeah. fun. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's Mario Party. It has like all the good things that I remember being fun about Mario Party, like the uh, random mini games, you know, the the randomness in the map where like, you know, you could just have bad luck and you step on a spot and you get a star stolen and things like that. Um it, kind of it's the Mario Kart of it all, the rubber yeah, banding so, type of feel. Yeah, so that's all there, which is what makes it ultimately fun where there's skill involved in the mini games. Um, it's harder to be it's better in that sense though than Mario Kart because it's like every mini game is different so like you're not necessarily good at all of them um, yeah like me so. when people come over here I know every track and how it like turns and I even know the mirror mode version of it and so I'm like yeah. so familiar but like this it's like no we're gonna keep you on your toes that's cool and, and you could get to that point eventually if you play every mini game enough but yeah it's gonna sure, take sure. longer um, right. But yeah, it's got everything Mario Party should have, in my opinion. I didn't play the last couple that apparently weren't as good, um, so I can't speak to that. But they definitely went back to the roots on this one. It feels like so. I'm at, we're having a blast playing Mario Party um, so far. And you haven't been able to put your Switch with another Switch screen and like line them up like they did in the trailer, right? Like no, I haven't. From one I, I only have like I only know one other person, <laughs> in you know, yeah, it's, around it's, me that has a Switch. Uh, that's what I figured. Yeah. Right. It's kind um, of a unique scenario. Let's uh yes. for you, Jordan. Let's try to keep it to just what you've been playing because we're nearing forty-five minutes, so we're actually running really long. I'll I'll just like go out and go give a couple shoutouts real quick, because okay. like I said, I feel bad for being the catalyst for this long show. Um, <laughs> this week's antagonist. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I'm the it's freak of the week. I'm the villain. Yeah, I'm the villain. Um, so uh, just shout out. You know, of course, I've been reading a bunch of comics. Um, want to give a quick shout out to a comic called uh, Outpost Zero which is uh, I just watched The Thing with Kurt Russell and these are very uh, kind of similar plot lines Outpost Zero is about um, these people that live in a dome in like an Antarctic situation so that's cool sci-fi comic recommended uh, four issues in uh, issue five comes out in December um started watching a cool show called Jormungand, uh, which we know that means that's the name of the world serpent, as we've been dealing with um, that mythology, that Norse mythology, and it's an anime series about uh, 
uh, arms dealer and her little crew of mercenaries. Very cool, fun. And uh, I don't know. I'm kind of into that whole like military espionage, underground black market shit. So that that's definitely up my alley. Um, played uh, more bravely default. Um, definitely still enjoying that game. Played uh, I feel like there's a couple other things I played, but uh, in, you know in the interest of time and all that. Um, played more like Luminous, played a little more Into the Breach. God, that game is just so fucking hard. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to play that game because it's just like every decision you make, you did something <laughs> wrong. Like you can't make a decision. Yeah. Like the stakes are high and then they tack on like 10 more extra levels on top of that. It's like, holy shit, like every decision I make, I fuck myself over. And even if it's like the absolute best decision, and I've been making the best decisions throughout the entire match, just like I get fucked over. So um, I don't know how many times I can keep getting my teeth kicked in, even though I really like that game. I like the time travel aspect. I like a lot of the sci-fi vibes of it. Uh, and then, yeah, since I'm just doing quick shout-outs, I want to say shout-outs to Deadpool number five. Uh, first of all, it's a fucking hilarious comic. It's Halloween-themed. It's zombies. Uh, it's got a really funny reoccurring joke that's, like, simple and not, like, you know, complex, but it's just goofy and funny. And it also has uh, Deadpool referencing the television show Friday Night Lights when he says, I'm going to go um, give, like, go all Coach Taylor on this chick over here <coughs> and give her a pet. Excuse me, Dom. I'm trying to speak right now. <laughs> uh, it's uh, like I don't fucking interrupt people all the time. Um, it's uh, he's like giving this girl a pep talk, and he's like, "I'm about to go all Coach Taylor on this chick." And I was just like, "Fuck yeah!" Friday Night Lights for the win. Deadpool for the win. Um, and oh, Jared, I do need to mention this because I meant to mention it last week. You are a big fan of the movie Green Room, correct? Uh, yeah. We've talked about that. Uh, the director of Green Room, uh, his film before that, his first one was called Blue Ruin. Have you seen Blue Ruin? No. Heard good things, though. Yeah. Definitely need to check out Blue Ruin. It's. I'm not going to say anything about the plot because I think it's so great. It's a really interesting movie. Great thriller. If you like Green Room, you'll also like this. It stars the dude who's like the nice Nazi in Green Room that kind of helps them out and eventually like... Um, wants to get arrested at the end jared you know what i'm talking about yeah so that is he's actually in all three of this dude's movies because his third one just came out and it's a netflix movie called hold the dark starring jeffrey wright from uh westworld the uh the black dude from westworld um the wolf like weird yeah has like wolves. In oh, like the a movie. Yeah, I thought you were describing his character in Westworld. Oh no, 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 no about no. wolves. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, trying to speed through, but basically, Hold the Dark is just a cool, like, tense thriller where this guy goes up to Antarctica uh, to kill this wolf that killed this chick's uh, son, and then ends up get, getting involved in like her village situation, her family situation, all this crazy, cool, creepy, thrillery, you know, creepy, mysterious shit that is also creepy so um definitely recommend blue ruin and uh hold the dark especially for you jerry because i know you're already a fan of that director with green room so um shout out to that i think green room is still his best movie but i also think the blue ruin and hold the dark are great movies in their own right so r.i.p anton yelchin 
He was such a good actor. R.I.P. Hey, man, I will never say that enough. Like, R fucking I.P., dude. That dude is so talented. Shout out to him in Thoroughbreds. Shout out to him in Green Room. Let's hop into the news. So the first bit of news, it's actually something we haven't covered uh, in the past weeks because there's been so many updates and developments. Uh, I wanted to wait until we had some more definitive information about the whole situation. So by now, if you're listening to a gaming podcast, you're familiar with what happened to Telltale on September 21st. My birthday. What a great birthday present. Um, But this comes by way of IGN uh, by Laura Prudham. At New York Comic Con, Robert Kirkman, creator of The Walking Dead and owner of Skybound, announced... We have successfully negotiated with Telltale Games for our company Skybound to come in and see Season 4 of the Telltale Game to completion. According to a statement from Skybound, the company has, quote, taken ownership of Telltale's The Walking Dead final season and will finish it. Skybound will work with members of the original Telltale team to finish the story in a way that fans deserve. Skybound will continue to update fans on, on the status of the game through their various social media platforms. So... Looks like Skybound's going to come in and rescue this game. The one thing that was important to me, and I think to a lot of people, is where they state that they're working with members of the original Telltale team. um, Because that means that, A, those people who kind of got screwed are going to have a second chance to finish something they helped create. And, B, um, it just makes you feel a lot better about the situation in general, you know? Um, it's well, cool. also we're going to get probably the least bastardized version of this season. Yeah. Uh, Is a conceivable outcome for me so yeah um it's just interesting you talked about before the show of like why wasn't skybound an option for telltale before why were they not first on your fucking list telltale you know yeah um robert kirkman's awesome if you're not familiar with him he's a great creator and he just seems like an all-around nice guy and i think the moment he heard about the news i guarantee you he was one of the first people to be like well how can we help them get this finished you know what i mean i just think he's that type Mm. of guy um, Shout out to his new comic Oblivion song. Yeah, great. Um, Dom, what do you think about the situation? Um, do you think people are going to have an issue when we find out exactly how many of those original members are going to be on the team, or the fact that any of them will be involved at all is is good? Yeah, any of them at all is good, definitely. Um, but and this feels good, like it feels like a hint of good news in, in the whole thing. But I think it's still you know the majority of everything it still sucks like there's still yeah. a lot of shit a lot of <laughs> yeah. people still got screwed over like probably the majority of people there still ended up getting screwed over at the end of this so what um, i was hoping i i kind of hope that you know they paid a big chunk of money for this to telltale that telltale can you know whatever the heck is still going on there can you know can at least start to maybe cut some severance checks with that or whatever it is yeah but, right good I don't, fucking luck know, dude that's who knows how that works list. out but you know what I mean? That's that's that would be my hope because like they're paying their debtors first. I'm sure, unfortunately, or whatever it has to be. I would hope that, yeah, the what the money used to finance this from from Skybound, I would hope go, would go towards you know righting some of the other wrongs, you know that, that are the fallout. But it's also assuming closing. like, oh, these completely incompetent heads over at Telltale are now going to start knowing how to deal with money. You know, I don't I don't think they do. Well, you would hope that, right, because now they're, they're getting sued and they're a bit under the microscope and there's even potential, <laughs> like, criminal things that could be brought against them if they weren't transparent enough in certain aspects, yeah. possibly. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I'm not a lawyer, but that's a possibility, right, if there's certain controls I mean, that are supposed to be over finances. And, yeah. It should be a fucking crime to be pumping out games with the license backing that you guys fucking had 
I mean, when, like, think about this. When, like, Back to the Future and Jurassic World are some of your smallest licenses that you used to work on back in the day. Like, you can't make your studio work with Batman, Game of Thrones, fucking uh, Minecraft, some of the biggest IPs in the fucking world, Guardians of the Galaxy. You couldn't make that shit work? The Walking Dead? Like, get the fuck out of here, guys. Like, ugh. The problem is they overextended themselves because this first season of Walking Dead sold so well that they're like, oh, we'll just partner with all these licenses and make games. And whether the games are good or bad, they didn't sell to the level that Walking Dead Season 1 did. So then they were expecting them to because they were the licenses and they were good games. Obviously, they had issues. But they they took the quantity over quality approach. And not to say that any of the games they released after that weren't, weren't good. But you obviously saw that like there was problems with them not updating the engine and stuff like that. So that's what I was gonna say is you could say quantity over quality, not necessarily in the writing quality. Their writing quality, I think, was uh, growing exponentially throughout the studio's lifetime. However, I think the quantity over quality <coughs> is definitely a thing because the quality of the actual gameplay experience, the mechanics that you're getting, the you know, the frame drops or the clipping or the glitches, like that quality was not there and so i think if you guys had like really nailed down a couple of licenses you know take batman take game of thrones take walking dead and really nail those and make them these like kind of like what you were talking about last week with uh uh french studio that does life is strange don't nod don't nod, jared yeah. uh where you were saying like it's just a tick above it's just like they just put that little bit of extra effort in there that just gives it it's still not the and I've only played season one of Life and Strange. It's still not super polished, and it's still a little bit janky, and it is still a little bit low budge. But like, they're not shitting them out like uh, Telltale was from a gameplay perspective, which was well, very th- disappointing. And that's the thing too, is mechanics wise, what's different about Batman season two and the first season of Walking Dead in terms of gameplay it's, mechanics? Nothing. Oh, well, I really. thought you were gonna say Batman season one. I think Batman season one is a lot worse from. Uh, gameplay mechanics spin no, yeah. because you're playing most of the time as Bruce fucking Wayne. It's like no, I'm talking about. Yeah, uh, I'm just saying. I agree that I agree that they like there was a lot of times where they were almost like going backwards with you know the gameplay stuff that they were implementing. Yeah, they didn't really implement anything new, you know. Uh, Absolutely. Not. So yeah. yeah, that's it for that. Um, I kind of want to get through these not, new stories, not super fast, but at a reasonable pace since we ran kind of long there at the beginning of the show. The second news story, something we've been waiting on for a while. This comes by way of the PlayStation blog. Sid Schumann wrote this one up. PSN name changes are finally happening, kind of. So, on their blog, PlayStation announced the ability to change your PSN online ID, and it will be rolling out as a beta feature in the PlayStation preview program. The first change is free, very much like Xbox, and changes after that will cost $9.99. For PlayStation Plus members, it'll be free the first time, and after that it'll be $4.99. Um, the feature will excuse me, be compatible with PS4 games published after April 1st, 2018. All of them. What? Um, no, listen. I did on. not hear that caveat until just now. Holy yeah, so the feature will be shit, compatible sorry. with PS4 games published after April 1st, 2018, and a majority wow. of the most popular PS4 games released before this date. Um, depends oh, so on they what are retrofitting. Yeah, but they say well, most popular. What does that popular. even mean? Yeah, exactly. I'm assuming first-party games. That'd be my assumption. But what does it even mean that like it's not compatible? So like, that's if what I you had a platinum, if I had a platinum in Assassin's Creed Unity that they're probably not going to give a fuck about, which I do, and I wanted to change my name, which I don't, thankfully, uh, then what? My trophies don't show. My platinum doesn't show up no, for Unity because it's not on that list. I think if you had like 
Turd War 62 and you changed to, like, Jordan 62, if you went and, like, loaded yeah. up Rainbow Six Siege, you'd still be Turd War 62. Oh, gotcha. But I'll still have my Platinums. Yeah, and I think they said there'd be some issues some with, like, games. you might run into some bugs. Probably, like, the game having trouble loading your profile or something. But it never said anything yeah, about it affecting your trophies or anything like that, so don't worry about that. Uh, he says yeah. as he knocks on wood. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, it went on to say... Yeah, I was going to say, thank God you got your, like, you know, standard already Xbox name that you were using, Jared, because it's, like, ugh, it's a fucking disaster if you don't have the right PSN name. Yeah, well, it's funny, too, because, like, for Xbox, my original gamer tag was Hulk, but with it was bolded because I was a Call of Duty kid, so it was capital I, capital H, capital I, so it looks like a bold H, space, capital U, capital I, so it looks like a bold U, space, capital I, capital oh my L. God. Yeah. Um, that just, like, what you just described gives me such vibes of Xbox 360 Live, Xbox yep. Live, like, circa 2010 or whatever. Those like, were the Jesus days. Christ. Exactly. Yeah, like, um, XX, anime tit lover, 69, XX. The blog post went on to say, quote, however, please note, not all games and applications for PS4, PS3, and PS Vita systems are guaranteed to support the online ID change, and users may occasionally encounter issues or errors in certain games. The list of full <laughs> games supported that are published before April 1st will be listed on PlayStation.com. The full rollout is planned for early 2019. Um, for Yo, me, this struck me as... IGN. IGN. Get fucking bent because i watched their news video and i don't i'm not saying they're like paid off or anything i'm just saying they fucked up when they told me all the information how much it was going to cost when it would debut except for the fact that yeah and it's only compatible with certain fucking games like you didn't think that was relevant to the fucking news information ign (laughs) really fucking come on uh for me like i told you guys before we started recording i think this reads as it's going to be rough on PS4. Hopefully it's all squared away when PS5 comes. You know what I mean? I think they Jesus like wanted to implement Christ. it. There's like a lot of weird caveats here. I'm happy that it seems like whenever PSN, like PlayStation news happens, I'm like, that's cool, but... And I feel like I don't want to be pessimistic, but a lot of their announcements always come with that but, though. It's like, this is great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not being you're not you're not wearing the uh, the Xbox glasses right now. You're not wearing the yeah. emerald tinted glasses because they always do that every time. Sony's like, dude, we got some cool shit for you, but you got to show off your one of your toes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, fucking, I don't know if I want it then. Yeah, I'm just glad that whether or not it's like perfect, at least there's this option. It shows progress towards making the right thing happen. Um, we talked about the other bummers. Like they, they announced this the the year you're not having PSX is the year you announced this. It's kind yep. of like a deflated announcement. Like it's like Dude, imagine I'm how hard this would have hit at Sony PSX. Just, you know, it's yeah, it's really unfortunate. Sony is in a weird spot as far as like customer appreciation and customer, you know, the connection that they have with like their their audience, especially like they're just getting embarrassed by Phil Spencer and Microsoft at this point as far as you know how much they appreciate the consumer. So. It is, uh, and this does not help. Yeah, the the butt part of the PSN name change or the lack of PSX is just like, yeah, you guys are really doing a good job of, uh, you know, shooting yourselves in the foot for the starting line of next gen because Microsoft is fucking raring to go. I want to give props to PlayStation on one thing, and please, I could be totally wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure I'm accurate. 
Uh, Xbox Gamer Cake changes changes cost nine ninety nine no matter what, like whether you're a gold member or not. So the fact that if you're a PlayStation yeah. Plus member, it's only five bucks as opposed to ten is actually pretty cool. I have to commend him on that. Oh, yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I don't think that's a thing I mean, on Xbox, huh. as far as I remember. So that is cool. It's. I mean, you know, if we're living in a perfect world, like game consoles are the only accounts I've ever known of having to pay to change your account name. Yeah. You know, if it's not, um, obviously, as long as it's something that isn't already being used, like or if it isn't offensive and you account? get reported. Right, like, can you imagine any other internet account you use, whether it be, you know, fucking PayPal or Facebook or Bank of America, like, anything. You would never, they'd never be like, oh, you want a new account name? Well, (laughs) Susie's going to have to type that new one into the server, so that's going to be $10. It's like, no, that's fucking... You also have to think about the base of people who, the consumers that use it, though. Like, imagine people who, you know, I know people that would change their gamer tag every time a new game came out or every week. So it's like making it paid yeah. kind of creates a wall there of like, yo, come on, make better decisions with your life. Yeah, you know, I guess it makes give us sense money if you're not. It's kind of a space, the gaming space yeah. where it's like this guy could be abusing someone and then change their name before they're able to get reported or yeah. whatever. So like they don't know to ban the anime tit lever because his name is now um, <laughs> really cool guy one. Uh, it, it, no, his name is now uh, hentai tit lever. So <laughs> yeah, he's gone darker. What were we gonna say, Don? Oh, I feel like, yeah, because when, you know, Xbox Live was taking off, especially on 360, right? Like, it was huge in those days, like like we were just talking about, Jared, where everyone was like, XOI, you know, CI, you know, 420 Vape Lord 69, XOZI, whatever. <laughs> um, and I think when things were getting really competitive and stuff, and Xbox Live was just a huge deal, and some geniuses at Microsoft were like, a decision was made before then, obviously, but like, they just said, oh, we could charge people for this, right? Because, like, it's something people were very willing to pay for. Like you said, a lot of people changed their names often. Like, during the first two years or whatever Call of Duty 4 was out, I think I changed my name three or four times. Uh, Paying for it? Yeah, yeah. I, Motherfucker. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I did it a couple times. And then Dude, and it was, it's 10 bucks. That's almost a brand-new game. <laughs> it's, it was actually worse because you had to buy – uh, points or points. Yeah, oh, so, so you were buying, you know, 12, yeah. 15 bucks worth. <laughs> You'd always end up with extra points that you couldn't really do Fuck much Fuck that. With. I'm getting a new game. I'll be anime <laughs> tent lover for all I care. Yeah. But he wasn't the only one of those yeah. huge during the Call of Duty scene. No, like I know. Warfare. Oh, yeah. I know. oh, man. <laughs> I've changed mine once on Xbox. I actually, so I had an account um, that, you know, is still, I guess, kind of floating out there. I don't think Microsoft deletes those accounts. It was Thunderhawk42, just like my PSN is. And then uh, I will say that their password recovery system has always been fucking bunk, and Microsoft's has. And so I came to Xbox One and couldn't access that, so now I'm Thunderhawk 42X. Uh, but, you know, they, it does suck that I'm I'm not, you know, on my main name or whatever. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, like I said, I wanted to give them at least some props there. We'll see how it goes with, you know, the ending of PS4 and PS5, how this whole thing rolls out and they said it's planned for early 2019 i could guarantee you good luck maybe not guarantee you but like i could easily see in early 2019 they're like yeah we've uh we've delayed (laughs) summer the rollout yeah so we'll see uh some good news though there people have been waiting for that announcement that's as nebulous as a windows you can give other than just 2019 you know yeah uh let's see your third news story uh project x cloud announced 
Uh, this is by way of Microsoft's own blog. Uh, Microsoft has officially announced their streaming initiative called Project xCloud, powered by Azure. Microsoft's cloud Azure. services, Azure, Azure, however you want to pronounce it, tomato, tomato, potato, potato. Uh, their goal is to allow you to game on any device without being beholden to a specific piece of hardware. They stated it's important to make the process super easy for developers and are going to give them the tools to deploy and dramatically scale access to their games across all devices through Project X Cloud with no additional work needed on their end. A service of this caliber needs infrastructure, and Azure gives them that, with 54 data center regions and services currently available in 140 countries. The scale of Azure, as is, will allow Microsoft to deliver the Project X Cloud to players worldwide. Their announcement of Project X Cloud closed with, quote, Developers and researchers at Microsoft Research are creating ways to combat latency through advances in network topology and video encoding and decoding. Project xCloud will allow the capability to make game streaming possible on 4G networks and will dynamically scale to push against the outer limits of what's possible on 5G networks as they roll out globally. 4G networks? Yeah. So we're not even talking Wi-Fi, damn. Currently, the test experience is running at 10 megabits per second. Our goal is to deliver high-quality experience at the lowest possible bit rate that works across the widest possible networks, taking into consideration the uniqueness of every device and network. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. Lowest possible bit rate. Can I have a higher bit rate if I've got good internet? Oh, yeah. So Basically, I, what they're saying is yeah. they just want to be able to have as many people be able to use it. But if you have better internet, you'll you'll experience it at a probably not a, I guess, a higher quality, but the low quality won't be bad either, if that makes sense. They want to have a good experience for the lowest possible common denominator. Yeah. 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 Uh, the last thing I want to talk about before we're going to open discussion is so about Microsoft Azure. Azure has a, uh, the highest annual revenue for a cloud service, inching out Amazon Web Services at $21.2 billion uh, per year, as well as the second highest adoption rate at 58% behind Amazon uh, Web Services at 68%. And for reference, because we talk about PlayStation and Xbox competing, Gaikai, which is Sony's main cloud service, wasn't listed in the top 10 in any major category on all of the uh, statistics that I saw for cloud-based services. Um, but... We were kind of going back and forth. In my opinion, I don't think it would qualify for that list. Is the reason why it would? Yes. This isn't. Yeah, these aren't consumer-based cloud services. These are just cloud. No, I know, but th this is like. I understand that Gaikai has its own separate name and website still, and is like, still its own kind of company. It's not called Sony Cloud or whatever you want to call it, but it is an internal division. That's why I feel like it just uh, Azure is it an internal division of Microsoft as well. Yeah. But you don't have to go through Microsoft to fuck with Azure. Is that right? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, but that's like, not what these lists like are Dom's based on. company, you, you were saying that you guys mess with Azure. You guys uh, use Azure products, right? So yeah, like, you like, can go to Azure. Yeah. You can go to Azure.com, let's say, Azure.com, if that's what it is. And you can you know purchase a, a plan or a package, I'm sure. For your business or your home or whatever, I don't think that that's an option with Gaikai is what I'm trying. But when you but when you talk about uh, revenue, it's any revenue that those services create. So PlayStation Now would be considered revenue in this, so that it would be yeah. included. Yeah. So the the point I think Jordan the point the point of that list is basically like, no matter how it's accessed or whatever, like yeah, uh, Gaikai is limited right now to PlayStation services, right? So it's, of course it's not going to make as much money as Azure. But the point isn't necessarily that. The point is like. Azure is huge, and giant companies all over the world use it, you know, for cloud computing and, and different things. So that's why it's more positioned to give a better service for game streaming 
you know, than Gaikai basically. Yeah, is yeah. We obviously know it's not going to yeah. get as much revenue as the others, but it also yeah. isn't. It, it isn't doesn't have the infrastructure that any of the others do either. So that's why we're comparing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I understand where you're coming from, though, Jordan. Uh, the one thing I w- yeah, I just I think it's apples to oranges. I'll have to agree to disagree. <laughs> well. Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Um, I might, hey, I might be totally fucking wrong on this, guys. I'm not saying I'm right, you're wrong. I'm just saying I don't think that that, I think we're, what we believe to be the truth are two different things. Yeah, also, whether it qualified or not, I don't even know if it would end up on the list either way. You know what I mean? Because, like, the numbers yeah. that they're throwing out for these things, it's like Gaikai is only towards Sony, and it's like it's only really used in PlayStation Now. So it's like. That's what I'm saying, is it's only used in PlayStation Now, so how could it be propped up next to these others because like no business is using Gaikai in the way that Dom's business is using Azure. Yeah. And it's the, not yeah, even that's the an point. option or yeah. a possibility. Yeah, you but, can't do that even if you wanted to pay Gaikai. Give me take my money. They're still not going to do it because that's not what they do. Yeah. But the, the conversation is that Azure is has the infrastructure in place no matter if it's attached to Microsoft or not. Like it has everything in place to be more successful than Gaikai at doing those services. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, way, roundabout way to get to the same point. Um, so we can all assume that this is the, the backbone that's going to be part of that rumored Xbox console, right? Because remember the Scarlet, it's going to be a regular traditional console. And then we heard about that really cheap, like $100 streaming console. Do we assume it's obviously the backbone of it's going to be Project X Cloud? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, it was a leading question. I was just waiting for you guys to. Yeah. <laughs> um, the last bit of news here before we close out the show. No, they're going to use Gaikai for the new Xbox consoles. <laughs> yeah. Dang it. It wasn't even on the list. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's, a, it's not even available. This no, is a, this is a rumor, uh, but it's by Jason Schreier and his sources. He has a pretty high, uh, you know, hit for his rumors and speculation. So this is via Kotaku, Jason Schreier. According to Schreier's sources, Microsoft is finalizing a deal to acquire beloved RPG developer Obsidian Entertainment. The studio is widely known for its work on KOTOR 2, which is uh, Knights of the Old Republic 2, Fallout New Vegas, Pillars of Eternity, and South Park Stick of Truth. The studio is well-revered for their high-quality releases, but have had their fair share of financial troubles, almost going out of business in 2012. Excuse me. Schreier sources went on to say that it was a 90% it was 90% finished and it was a question of uh, a matter of when not if um, this is cool I want to talk about Obsidian specifically and them getting bought but do we assume that we're going to hear this announced at XO18 if it's that soon remember we talked about like what are they going to announce at XO18 more studio acquisitions announcing that you bought Obsidian would be a pretty cool announcement I think you know yeah that's probably what they're going for if they can get everything uh, you know, confirmed and signed by them, that would that would be a pretty cool announcement to have for that show. Yeah, definitely. Well, and Obsidian, man, like I think they're really overlooked for the quality that they deliver. Like South Park Stick of Truth, though, had a, like a troubled uh, development cycle. People loved that game. It was a lot better than people expected it to be. Um, the Pillars of Eternity games, they're not necessarily my cup of tea. I don't like that like weird three fourths perspective computer RPG thing. Just not for me. But the audience really? loves them. Um, For whatever reason, I thought you would, like, that would definitely be a Jared thing, or that was a Jared thing. That's, like, a hard-out Jared thing. <laughs> wow. The so you're talking about, like, ice, partially it's the isometric point of view. Yeah. And then partially it's just it being, like, that deep, deep PC RPG. Yeah, and that's funny because, like, if it's an isometric game that's, like, a hack-and-slash or more arcade um 
I'm cool with that. Diablo. But when it gets like hardcore RPG and it's that perspective, I'm like, this is hard out. For me, I want a closer camera perspective for RPGs. That's just for me. Um, they obviously made Fallout New Vegas, and for a lot of people, that's their favorite or best Fallout game. For me, it's, it's my because favorite it is Fallout the best game. one. Yeah, yeah. very good. It's, it just is. Uh, KOTOR 2, which is revered, obviously, the KOTOR games. Um, Obsidian is a great development studio. If this deal, we assume it's going to get completed, gets done. This is a big win for Microsoft and Obsidian. Uh, for a studio that was almost out of business in 2012, that had to kind of go towards getting a deal to make a weird tank game and then kickstarting their games, having the financial backing of Microsoft is awesome for the talent that they have. Um, I think Fallout New Vegas, in my opinion, is the point in their company when they had the most resources available to them, right, working for Bethesda, and you saw the product that they came out with. Um, I think that they're a studio that if you give them a lot of good resources, they'll make something great out of it. Because, like, Pillars of Eternity aren't bad games. They review very well. But you can tell the type of budget they were working with. You know what I mean? The Kickstarter budget. Um, and even South Park Stick of Truth wasn't a super high budget. But with, like, Fall in New Vegas, you can kind of tell that they make the best of the money they're given. I just want to know from you guys, what do you think of Obsidian and uh, Microsoft possibly buying them? What do you think about that acquisition? I think this is cool because uh, you could sometimes, in some scenarios, make the argument um, – Maybe with uh, the, the studio that makes Hellblade or whatever. Ninja Theory? Um, Ninja Theory. I could see potentially someone make the argument that, like, they might be better off, have they might have been better off on their own because they just did really well with Hellblade, right? So, and, you know, I think there's good arguments on both sides of that. But with Obsidian, because they've not been, like, extremely, you know, financially successful as of late, I think this is a win for both sides. Um, actually, all three sides, you know, Microsoft, Obsidian, and us, the consumers. Yeah. Um, to me, I don't see, like, this is just, like I said, a win for all three sides where, like, they make awesome games, um, but they've been struggling a little bit lately with finances, um, not necessarily because of the bad products, you know. But, yeah, being bought by Microsoft gives them, you know, uh, some backing to make some some more great experiences, which they're known to do, um, that might not otherwise be possible at all, right? And then, of course, we get to buy those awesome games. So I think this is, this is a, this would be an awesome, uh, I assume, like, it's a true rumor. It's coming from Schreier, so it's just whether or not uh, they finish up the deal here. And I can't. I would hope to God they do because I think this is good for everybody. Yeah, and it's crazy because they so they bought Playground, which has made the Forza Horizon games, which are incredible. They bought Ninja Theory, which you mentioned, and then they bought the other two Compulsion Games and what's the name of the other studio? Mm, yeah, I was talking about. Anyways, those studios are good studios, but they're not to the quality of Obsidian. I would put Ninja Theory, Undead Labs, Undead Labs. Yeah. They're good studios, yeah. but I want to put them to Obsidian's level. Um, yeah. And then Ninja Theory and, obviously, Playground are obviously really good studios, too. So this is, like, those three studios gathered up, plus the other two that are a little bit lower on the echelon. It's building a great first party. Um, it's a great team. It's a great lineup. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to have five LeBron Jameses on the court, you know? Yeah, exactly. And... I really think like the Undead Labs Compulsion Games ones are the type of people that make the games between the big games that kind of um, yep. build value in Game Pass, and I think that's and what they're, they're the diamonds. Like. They're the diamonds in the rough that haven't been necessarily discovered yet. You know, they they might have a Bioshock or something in their belt that they just haven't created yet, and they might be like Playground Games, who starts off kind of just doing the Forza side series, and now it's like. Well, a lot of people like Horizon more than the regular Forza series, and a lot of people are really excited about them making a Fable game. So it's like these could be studios that are growing into um, circumstances 
similar to the way that uh, Playground. Is that right? Playground yeah. Did. And the crazy thing too I just is just said it five seconds ago. I couldn't remember. <laughs> the crazy thing too, uh, to your point, Dom, about Ninja Theory getting purchased in the video after they were acquired, they talked about like though Hellblade did great, we're a not good sales game away from just closing. Like they're like we have no yeah. financial security. Like the blanket could be pulled right mm-hmm. underneath from our feet or the carpet. I don't know the blanket, but they talked about it in that video of like we love making our games, we love having creative control, but we have no security at all. So real quick, I know we're going long on this show. I want to have a tiny little debate, just a quick question. Do you guys think that we've seen this, you know, Obsidian's basically the same situation as what you just described with Ninja Theory is the same situation, similar at least to Telltale, where it's just like we're making uh, games that people like, games that people even buy a lot of times, uh, but because we don't have that bigger studio or publisher backing, we're a lot of times struggling to make our own way, even though we have games that are technically successful. Is that due to the fact of shifting tides in the industry, or is it due to the fact that it's mismanagement, not in the way of like, oh, they're just shitty at managing, they just don't know how to manage in this whole new world that we're living in of gaming, and so they've not marketed their games correctly, They've or maybe... They haven't, uh, you know, they've spent too much time or money developing a certain product when maybe they should have spread out to a couple of them or vice versa, like where Telltale should have consolidated. I'm wondering if it's it's mismanagement in the sense of, like, ignorance, not just, yeah. like, being bad at managing. I've yeah, a, I don't... Let's go ahead, Dom. I'll go after you. I, I wouldn't even... In some case, and probably a lot of cases you can attribute, yeah, you can say there's mismanagement going on, but for these studios particularly that are making good stuff... I think it is a lot of it. It's just that's the nature of the industry. Like Jared said, like you could put out a great game as an independent studio, um, or even if you were, like worked with a publisher for one game, uh, that. But even even after that, even if that sold decently well, like that's only gonna get you. You know, that's only gonna pay the bills for another year or whatever it is, right? It's kind of a it's kind of a paycheck to paycheck kind of thing. Even when you do great projects, right? Um, the only way like you stick around and become like a you know a, a long-lasting juggernaut is kind of when you are with a bigger publisher in a permanent kind of sense that's yeah, kind of the not vibe necessarily because I, I do think there are examples you know obviously i've been a vocal uh i've been vocal about mentioning that cd project reds had plenty of issues in the last couple of years but they are uh yeah. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, independent developer that has worked with publishers but still hasn't allowed them to be taken, yeah. taken over. And there are the examples. Exceptions. There are examples, though. And yeah, so I definitely. think that maybe it's not that uh, it's mismanagement. Maybe it's just that like some of these guys that are running these like mid-tier or indie-level studios that um, aren't, you know, they are operating independently. Maybe those guys are the guy that, you know, we've heard this a million times where a guy makes a game by himself and then it gets super successful and then he ends up building a studio out of that i think um the limbo guys are like that um i think the uh fucking the super metroid uh game that's like a tribute to super metroid i don't know i'm just saying like there's examples of that right so maybe these guys are like super creative endeavor type of guys they get through that first game then they start managing a studio and really they're the artists they're not the businessman and so they're great at like oh look at their second game you know the the 
dead skull or whatever they're called in europe that makes limbo and inside like look at their second game they've they've improved upon the art they've improved upon the graphic design yada 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 but have they really done that much better of a job from a business perspective yeah so i have quite a bit to say on this so i don't want to go too long first off cd project red is a very special example because they also get a shit ton of money from poland like, they get a lot of money from the government. Yep. So, th- I'm not saying oh, that's, that's wrong. That may be, I know this might sound a little crazy, but I would say, you know, do your hustle, man. If you're a fucking indie developer out there, you are going to have to hustle a little yeah. bit. Whether it's getting money from the publisher, uh, whether it's, you know, co-publishing Witcher 3 with WB Games, whether it's hooking up with your fucking government in your country that wants to subsidize you, which, they, that happens over here and in Canada and all over the place where, like, um, you know, same thing with like uh, film. Films will get made all the time from like uh, you know government subsidies and stuff like that. So I think like, yeah, like find your hustle. They are they are a special example, but like that's what I'm saying is a lot of these indie guys. Like if you want to stick around, you guys are gonna have to like figure out a second hustle or something like that. Yeah, let's let me get through my part real quick. So. The indie developers, I think we're talking about having two different discussions because though Obsidian is indie, they're much more like double-A tier, mid-tier. They're like a lot bigger company. They have hundreds of employees. Sure. So indie developers that are like less than 20 people, I think they're a completely different case where I think they can sit above water a lot better. I think when you start getting to these mid-tier developers where they're not the triple-A publishers, they're kind of in that middle ground, they're having a harder time for a couple of reasons. These are my assumptions. One, I think there's not as much uh, third-party contract work out there. I think a lot of times these big publishers aren't outsourcing it as much. Or, in the same case, I don't think these mid-tier developers, I think they're too prideful that they don't want to really work on contract work for other companies and they want to kind of be auteurs of their own stuff and they want to spend that time working on their own projects. And a lot of times that's how you... they don't want to feel like a dinky indie studio. Yeah, and I think that's a lot of times that's how you bring in the extra money is you do the contract work, right? You get your hands dirty in that stuff. Hubris. I also think that we're getting to a point where games are very long, and I know a bunch of, I'll call them average gamers, I don't kind of call them casuals or whatever, but like, they would rather spend $60 on a franchise they already know than spend 30 to $40 on the game they're not sure of, um, and I think it's... Part of it is the discoverability thing where there being too many games. Yeah, I, that's part of it, but I, I've talked to people, Jordan, who just don't think games that are not by these big publishers are good. They're like, Oh, it's got good reviews, but it's not by... No, I know. Yeah. I mean, no offense to you, Dom, but you, like, famously said on this show, like, oh, I've never really played indie games before you got your Vita, right? So it's like, we even know yeah. that that's true from first-hand examples. So yeah. I totally agree with that, Jared, but I do think that there are enough examples, I guess, that I think if you're hustling right, and I swear to fucking God, watch a no-clip documentary on a smaller studio that isn't Bethesda, and, f- you know, fucking wait because they will say and then we had to do some contract work to get us through this stage of art but now we have fucking warframe and we're kicking ass but the thing is you just got to do it a studio like obsidian's never had a game that sold extremely well that was their independent ip we talked about their best games you best be on some hustle boy if you can't get out here and you know get your hooks into people with a warframe get lucky because total biscuit talks about it or whatever you best be hustling well and the thing is is like Red Dead blew up. Uh, sorry, not Red Dead. Rockstar blew up with its own IP. Um, right. Uh, CD Projekt Red, though it's not technically its own IP, that's its own situation because like they purchased the rights to use it or whatever, right? Um, right? And then when you look at Obsidian, Kotor 2, not theirs, 
Fallout New Vegas, not theirs. South Park Stick of Truth, not theirs. So it's like these these studios, these mid-tier studios that are bigger than you. Like, honestly, we could possibly see, uh, like, WB Montreal, who has 500 employees for some reason. They haven't made a game except for Batman Origins, Arkham Origins. Uh, If that studio wasn't owned by WB and they were just called, like, Game Developer Montreal, we could easily see hear yeah. about them closing. You have 500 employees Absolutely. and you made one game. Absolutely. What's paying the bills? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. And a lot of this, you know, we haven't mentioned. There's luck. Sometimes you get fucking lucky. Yep. Like there's games that are popular that have no business being popular. There's games that are considered critically amazing <laughs> right. that have no business. You know, and that's <laughs> what I'm saying. It's like there's games out there. It's like, and yeah, Epic Games was obviously not hurting before fucking Fortnite came out since they're the licensor of the largest video game development engine in the world but um, I would say some of it's luck some of it's you know this guy's better business manager than head of studio B which is more of a creative artsy type guy he's not as good as that at that stuff some of it's uh, the right hustle at the right time some of it's you got Polish government throwing you money like I'm just saying there are situations out there there are tons of studios that are figuring it out and I think I'm not saying like, oh, you guys are just shitty managers. I just think there might be some ignorance because we are in a whole new world, and the, the way to run a studio may not have been found yet as far as these the current climate tiered, yeah, the current climate and the tier of studio that we're well, talking about. Because obviously you can run an indie, obviously you can run a triple A, but this is the gray area. Yeah, and I think that also we have to, there's the whole discussion of like there's not really licensed games anymore either, which kind of lost work for those people too. You know what I mean? The guarantee that paycheck. was the mid tier. Yeah. yeah, if you were a double A studio, you were making Spider Man, Amazing Spider Man two or whatever. And the, the crazy thing is like I'd rather have Obsidian and Ninja Theory owned by Microsoft with the possibility of more games than them not to be owned and we hear about them closing in six months. And you'll be like, yeah. what Ninja Theory closed? They just had Hellblade come out. It's like, well, man, we just couldn't survive. Like, yeah. think about this. It sucks when we're looking at a situation of like, oh, good studios with good games are closing. That like, sucks. Imagine but if... But I do think we're hopefully getting towards a future of like... Some people just need to fucking fall off. As terrible as that sounds, but that's like the way capitalism works. And that's the way our... It's not sustainable, world yeah. And, yeah, like some people are just going to unfortunately have to fall off, and some of those people are going to have made games that you or I like or that are critically acclaimed. Yeah, and that's the whole thing. Like, I'd rather have them not fall off and get acquired by Microsoft, you know what I mean? So there's a little bit more backing there. The crazy thing is, like, yeah. what if Microsoft announced at E3 last year, or this year, you know what I mean, earlier this year, that they bought Telltale? Imagine the different situation would be in where, like, oh, wow, all the new Telltale games are coming out on Game Pass, and that's, like, a perfect model for them. Their games weren't selling very well. Oh, yeah. So it's, like, a perfect model for them to have that income and then have the game still come out. Now we're talking about Telltale closing, us possibly not even getting the final season. It's, like, this stuff See, can happen in the blink models. of an eye. I think that is the key word here. Like, we, there needs to be a better model. There needs to be a better model for, like, if you're a studio of this size without a license and you have this much money you know till you're broke you need to get a game out in this amount of time that is this popular if not like you are going to have issues yeah if i I feel like we just need to get better about that um not we we're not developers but this industry i think that double a also has a has a pride thing of trying to create triple a looking games at their tier and for me i mean this is easy to say that's a pride thing if we're not going to do contract work well, it's not pride. only that, like, if you had, I know this is easy coming from the outside perspective, but, like, this is also a golden situation, but, like, imagine if you were a mid-sized developer who had 80, to 80 people, right? 
instead of having those 80 yeah. people focus on one big game, I would much rather have four teams of 20 working on, like, limbo-sized games because... Dude, I don't want to, like, give out my ideas, but I have had the same idea. It's like, if you're a double-A studio, work on a double-A game and then work on a super cheap indie game that can get you some fucking cash, man, that, like, five dudes in the corner are working on. It's not affecting your studio, but it's making you money. Yeah, I just think that there's it is them figuring out how they can get things to run a little bit better. It's an interesting question. I th- actually yeah. we'll talk about it in the future when another studio unfortunately closes, or when we hear about Microsoft buying another studio. We'll see. Um, and it's funny because like PlayStation Stable is kind of already full, so like these studios that are in trouble, it, it more than likely if they don't close, they're going to be acquired by Microsoft. Like we it. I don't imagine us seeing PlayStation have a major acquisition of a studio we know for a while. You know what I mean? Just because like they're no, they've sad. Been, they've been shutting shit down yeah. more than anything. They, I think they're real comfortable with the amount of studios and the types of studios that they have right now. But I will say, connecting to what we were earlier talking about when I was saying that Microsoft is essentially embarrassing Sony as far as you know consumer report at this point. It just kind of sucks for Sony that they can't have a moment where they're like, look, we just acquired five studios because they've already had those studios. So there was no moment in time for everybody to get hyped off of that because they were just building it slowly over time. It kind of sucks for them. Yeah. I mean, but they still release great exclusives. So it's like, yeah, it's not terrible. That's what they get. I'm just saying they're missing out on this this possibility of a hype pro-consumer moment that would be an easy pro-consumer moment. Yeah. But it's like they're, they're, you know. Uh, disqualified from that because of the situation. Uh, let's close up the show. They'd rather just have God of War. <laughs> just put that out there. Uh, sure. Uh, <laughs> let's close up the show. Uh, what we're going to be playing. For me, more Assassin's Creed Odyssey, uh, Forza Horizon 4, Magic the Gathering Arena. Nothing new, really, on the horizon yet. Uh, just Forza Horizon. Uh, what about you guys? Nice. God of War. Joy-Con party? You going, God of War you 3. Going to, <laughs> you going to the Joy-Con convention? Yeah. Who's who's your Emily's main real quick when you guys play Mario Party? Uh, I, we don't have one yet. I've played Mario. I played Yoshi. Um, actually, she's gone with Peach mostly. Nice. It's my boy Koopa Troopa in the game. Koopa. That's a playable character. Yeah, yeah. Dry Bones is too, isn't he? Yeah, but I haven't unlocked Dry Bones yet. It's kind of a, yeah. nice. Have you played it uh, solo at all? Tried? No, that would be really dumb. There's a solo okay, mode, though, isn't there? Say, There's a solo game mode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was actually going to, right before you said that would be dumb, I was going to be like, would you mind hopping in for 10 minutes and just let me know how it is, Dom? You're like, fuck that. I don't even have to try it. You, it would just be dumb. But you, Okay, I don't want to get into this, Dom. Don't prejudge stuff. Okay, we're, we're running long, guys. Let's get to what <laughs> we're going to be playing. That's it. I'm good. Mario Party, God of War 3. Hell yeah. Jordan? So, uh, two things right quick. I wanted to say uh, Star Wars Resistance uh, is a show that I meant to mention at the beginning of the show. Um, This is the third uh, Star Wars 3D animated series, and it is uh, made by the same core group as the previous two. Um, It is perplexing to me how... Uh, Star Wars 3D animation can be essentially at the top of the line when it comes to when Clone Wars was coming out, especially when it was first coming out. And then when Rebels came out, they started doing, and I was telling Dom, you know, Rebels started off as a decent show and became a great show, so I would stick with it. Um, And the animation got better. They started playing less to their weaknesses, which was their awful hair on those characters. They shaved Ezra's head so they didn't have to animate his awful hair. 
Disney, when they acquired the whole Star Wars thing and Lucas uh, film, decided to spend less money on the animation, so Rebels was cheaper to make, and they were doing a smaller team and making it faster. And now with Resistance, the 3D animation that they've decided to go with is so budget, it's ridiculous. And it is uh, something that you would see on one of these dinky Netflix kid series that's like a license for how to train your fucking dragon or whatever some dumb bullshit like that it's like star wars is on a different fucking level and disney you need to put some fucking money in i know it's animated it's not you know the kids are gonna like it either way but like you have a lot of adults that are still watching this stuff and i think that you're really hurting your brand by putting something out that's like this lackluster in design and just the visual aesthetic of it and it's really not a very good show from the first two episodes as far as i can tell not even like oh star wars rebels first couple episodes not nearly as good as clone wars but there's still potential it's like i'm not, i'm worried i don't even see much potential in resistance um so i know that's a little diatribe but it's very important to me obviously star wars is a big thing and i just don't understand why they keep putting less and less money into these shows obviously the john favreau live action show is going to be fucking cool but it's weird that the animation is starting to fall to the wayside and it's like they're fucking it up in the same way I feel that they fucked up the games in this last several years with the way EA's handled things. Yeah. Um, so Star Wars Resistance is so far a disappointment two episodes in. does not look good. Um, and then I also just wanted to clarify, I'm not trying to like prove my point any further or like reopen this discussion. What I was trying to uh, differentiate with the cloud stuff earlier, I was saying... It seems to me like the list that you were providing, Jared, or looking at, those were cloud computing services. And to me, in my opinion, Gaikai and Wikipedia lists it as a cloud gaming service. So it's like a it's like a modicum of the size of a cloud computing service, which is broad. It was just cloud services. Specifically, just cloud services sure. in general. I get what you're coming from. Gotcha. It's like obviously that cloud computing. That was compu- my perspective. Yeah, cl- obviously cloud computing services are going to be higher on a lot of lists than uh, something that's specifically gaming. I understand. Right, like the cloud computing service is Azure. The cloud gaming service within that is the Microsoft X Cloud or whatever they called it. So uh, it's like a molecule inside of an atom. I, is the way I'm looking at it, not the way that it's is correct necessarily. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> Uh, thank you guys for listening to episode 115. We'll be back next week. If you can, please follow us on YouTube. Subscribe, like the videos uh, on iTunes. If you're listening there, uh, leave us a review. It definitely helps. Five stars. Anything less than four, just, you know, don't. Uh, <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter, at C-T-R-L-I-N-T. It's controlled interest abbreviated. You can follow Dom at Dom's Oreos. Jordan is at Mellow Modus. And I am at Jared underscore. We'll catch you guys next time.